0: Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I had, I had New Mexican food yesterday and I got my burrito. They said, What do you want, red or green? Um, who in here? Who's, who's my green folks? Green? I went all red. I went all red. Red people? Christmas people? Oh my gosh. Uh, you people, we've got to work on you. But um, anyway, that's uh, that's we are in this series. You guys have been asking questions, uh, and we said we're going to answer the top most uh, voted on questions, the top six most voted questions. So today we're on the third most asked. Question before I jump in, I do want to welcome our people, our, our church family who are online. I see Amanda, I see Kay, I see Becky. Some of you are actually in the house right now on our Facebook live stream uh, joining in. So thank you guys for doing that and making people feel welcome. Um, so on account count of three, let's welcome them in. I just want to um, uh, give a loud shout, whistle, snaps, or scream, or whatever you want to do on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, there we go. Yes. Our, our Freedom Online family, we love you and thank you for worshiping with us today. We got a good one today. The question on uh, the slate for today: Why do some people in the Bible not receive grace and forgiveness? So this is kind of a theological question. Why do why do some people um, just you know just it seems like boom that's it and we're going to see one of those stories today. Why do other people who are like myself, why why does God seem to be so gracious and forgiving to some and not with others? So we're going to kind of dive in and unpack that today. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to be, because in this question, the uh, person whoever submitted it, and it was anonymous, they kind of in parentheses said Ananias and Sapphira. So if you have a church background, you might have heard of these guys. You might have heard of this story. If you don't, completely fine. We're going to read it today. But this was kind of a strange one um, where the church, the brand new church, uh, Jesus had just died, rose from the grave. And then he ascended into heaven and he told all his followers, he's saying, hey, you guys are going to go tell everyone about me. You're going to go be my witnesses, which is still our job. And we look at that first church and how great it was at the start. They started growing, people were getting saved, they're sharing their possessions, it's awesome. And sometimes we can look at our church and we see all the mess and we see all the junk and we see all the infighting, we're like, wow, man, our church is so jacked up. Well, it only took them five chapters into Acts for this thing to start getting heated up and cooking and you see conflict and turmoil and things happening. So, first church had to deal with a lot of junk too. Um, sometimes we, we tend to gloss over it. So, I'm going to read through this and then I want to unpack what's going on. All right, so starting in verse one of chapter five, says, But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. And he brought, say this next word with me, he brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the, say this next word with me, it was the full amount. So he brought part, but he claimed it was full. Now, just a little bit of context. Right before this, chapter 4, it talks about the church, and they were selling things and helping people in need. And it gives an example of a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas actually sold his land and gave all to the church and just said, here, use it for however you need. So you have this irrational generosity that is just taking place in the church and all of a sudden, but here we get this contrasting story. All right. And jumps in Ananias and Sapphira. He, he, they claimed part of the money uh, or they gave part claiming that it was full. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter, who's like, one of the head leaders in the church, said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now, this is important because he's not saying what he did was necessarily wrong because he's like, you you could could have done what you did if you just told us you were just giving part of it from the start but you were obviously, there's a lot of hypocritical uh, lying going on here where you were claiming full. So he clarifies, he says, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wish. We're not forcing this on you. The, after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So, you know, here at Freedom, same thing. No, you don't have to give. You don't have to give a dime or anything. We just say, hey, that's between you and God. You pray to God. If he tells you to give, then you give. You, you, you follow him in that. But how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, look out, he fell to the floor and died. And everyone who heard about it was terrified. All right? It's a little bit scary. You... you, you uh. Sometimes you, when you pick your seat at church, you kind of want, like, you know, is lightning going to strike because I came into in church today? How comfortable are you feeling sitting next to the person uh, in, your, in your seating choice today? Uh, what, something's, something's crazy going on here. It says, the young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. After about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, what was the price you and your husband received for your land? Or was this the price? And she said, "Yes, that was the price." And Peter said, "How could the two of you even think of it, of conspiring against the Holy Spirit of the Lord like this?" And the and the young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they're going to carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. And when the young men came in and saw that he was dead, they carried her out and buried her behind her husband. Great fear. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who had heard of it. Um, my goodness, if there was ever a, a sermon to have the kids in the room, uh, we picked a bad one today. Um, this is not the one that uh, we share uh, at, at bedtime. Hey, kids, did you hear the story about Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira? Um, did you guys eat your veggies today? Good night. You know, sleep well. Um, Sorry kids, we didn't get this one on the flannel graphs or the coloring sheets. Um, this story kind of isn't in our um, in our Sunday school version of the Bible, but yet here it is and and we have to to wrestle with this. Um, why do people some people in the Bible not receive grace and forgiveness? Um, here's the deal, and this is kind of. A Sunday school answer, but it's when you read the Bible, it's, it's there. God punishes evil. We, we serve a just God. And so when He sees evil, justice comes with it. If you, if, if you want to get rid of God, there goes justice too. The, the ability to, to claim injustice. Well, this is wrong. Now, As we look at this, and where it's a little bit troubling, is God does not judge all evil immediately. This one, boom, immediate. The timing, I think that's kind of what the question is. Why did they not receive so much timing in this? Um, That's a little bit harder to explain. We're not necessarily given a blueprint on God's timing for justice on evil, but we do know it's coming. Evil will eventually be punished. Now this is also a warning I want to get, we talked about evil last week. Not all evil, not everything that is bad, is necessarily judgment from God. So a hurricane comes and hits Louisiana or, or New Orleans, I'm not going to be up here saying, "Well, New Orleans is so sinful, and God's placing his judgment on New Orleans." No. We we can't necessarily claim that all anything that bad is some sort of judgment from God. We we would be taking this out of context. All right. Sometimes it could be. Sometimes it's not. I'm not God. I'm. It's really futile to try to ex- explain. Is this you know if something bad is happening in my life? Is this judgment from God on me? I think it's a horrible way to live. It's just you take whatever's evil, give it to God and say, hey, this is happening in my life. And what do we know? He will take it and turn it for good. He's about redemption. But what do we do with something like this or when something happening in our life and we see evil? Well, if God is a loving God, then why this? If God is loving, why wouldn't he give them another chance? Why? You know, they they lied. Okay, not all right. But this is this harsh and, and when we said God is a just God, so the question really comes down to: Is this fair? Like, is God? Is this just? Seems rather harsh. I mean, I could see being upset with them, but but come on, God, am I going to get s- struck down? Like, how's your tithing going right now? <laughs> You're like, guy, going to get me? I don't, we don't we don't force anyone to tithe. All right. If we're going to roll with God is loving, all right, this is what a lot of people do. This is what a lot of questions that came in. If God is a loving God, then why hell? If God is a loving God, then why these things? And for anybody, for anybody, if you're going to roll with a loving God, where did you get that from? If you're rolling with God is loving, it came from somewhere. It was not original with you. Someone told you that. Someone told them that. And I'm going to make a bold claim and say it came from Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. A loving God came through Jesus saying this is who God is. You don't get that from nature. If you look at nature, nature's cruel. It knows nothing of love and justice. You did not get that from the ancient gods, who who they they saw evil and it was the they would make up gods to explain why the evil was was coming. Those gods weren't loving. You had to to produce and work to earn any sort of favor from them, which may or may not come. But Jesus just flat out says, "No, God God love God loves you." That that started that was original with Jesus. But Jesus, now a lot of us, we just like the loving God. I just want a loving God. But if you're rolling with that God, if you're rolling with the God of the Bible, if you're rolling with Jesus, that's not all he said about God. He did say God is loving, but he also said God is just. Which, if you think about it, we all want that. What does our world scream of when it sees injustice? It wants justice. So, So in a way, we don't like the answer, but we do. We want evil to be punished. When you see something wrong and you you say something needs to make that right, that's actually a cry out that we need God. We need a Savior. Somebody make this thing right. Now, I'm all leading up to this. Jesus didn't stop there. He, He said God is loving, God is just, but that's not all he said about God. And this is something that we often forget, especially when it comes to Ananias and Sapphira. God is holy. I don't think any one of us fully grasps what it means for God to be holy. He is perfect in every way, and infinite, in every way. The Bible describes him as just lacking nothing. And so when you are in the presence of a holy God... One blemish is enough for him to say, depart, eternal." this is separation. I can't be a part of that. And so some of that separation, that unholiness, he's going to judge. And he will, sometimes immediately, sometimes he's going to postpone. And I don't know exactly when or where. But when you see people meet God, I want to just show you a couple of examples of this. But this happens all throughout Scripture. When people get a glimpse of God, his righteousness, his holiness, there's this awe about God. Daniel, he wrote the book of Daniel. Um, he, he met God. And it says when he heard his voice, he just like straight up passed out on the ground. He said, I heard this voice and then boom, I, I fell down in the presence of, of this awesomeness. Um, Job, Job, if you know anything about the story of Job, terrible evil and circumstances in his life. And he has all this long discourse of, God, I didn't do anything. I was, I was, I was living for you. I was on your side. All these. Why would all these things happen? And then God answers him finally. And Job's response after God starts speaking is like, I should have never said anything. I just shut my mouth. I know nothing. I'm done. Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, he gives a glimpse when he meets God. He gets a glimpse of God in his holiness, in his op- awesomeness. And he says, woe is me, I'm doomed. Or in some, uh, some translations, I'm ruined. Have you ever in your life just been ruined or wrecked by God? It sounds like an awful thing, but it's actually one of the best things that can happen in your life. When he's like, God just wrecked me. Like just totally made himself known and undeniable. I was going this way and it wasn't bad, but he wrecked me and I I can't change from that. He ruined my life (laughs) through your awesomeness and your holiness. When people get a glimpse of his holiness, and I think when we get to heaven one day and we see his holiness, we'll see how futile it was for all the things that we're striving and holding on for in his life. Ananias and Sapphira you didn't do a bad thing, but you were, you were claiming one thing and, and doing another. Why so harsh on this, God? He's holy. But if, if we look at it, again, I don't know, but some of the commentators sort of speculate, like, this is the birth of the church starting. And you see this generosity, and you see this life change that's taking place, but then you see this hypocrisy come in. And he says, my church will not be a show. My church will not be a place for a show. And at the first glimpse of this, he's giving all of us a warning, whether we agree with it or not, he's giving a warning to say, we're not moving forward like this. And you see that it worked, especially for those who were there because it says great fear swept over. Everyone was there. Peter didn't kill them. Peter just delivered the message. But this is insane. Like, this is crazy, what just happens here. But it happened. They reported. That's why I love the Bible. They're not trying to sugarcoat this thing. It will like, this is what happened. What is, I mean, this is a, an all skate. You can just shout them out. But what are some of the biggest reasons why you think people might leave the church? And if you're online, you can drop this in the chat. What are, what are, if I were to say, well, "Hey, why do you think people leave the church? What are what are some things that kind of come to mind? Judgment, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. money, disillusionment, uh, huh, shame, yeah." And it can come in here because we all know we've messed up. like, "Oh man, I can't, I can't meet God's standards and holiness." We got I gotta i got some hope for you today. Stick with me. One of the big ones that always creeps up is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And, and you know, I don't like the church because it's, there's a bunch of hypocrites. It's full of hypocrites. What typically, when you hear those stories and you break that down, it's typically drilled down to an individual. Individual hypocrisy leads to Kind of like this blanket over the entire church is full of hypocrites. But it was actually this one act. And here it was, this one act of Ananias and Sapphira that threatened the church in the direction and the movement that they were coming. And God comes in swiftly. Now, uh, no pointing. How many of you would say you know somebody who is a hypocrite? It's not nice to point, okay? So don't, don't, don't do that. Yes, many in the hands. Okay, you're pointing to yourself. Yes, that's a good, that's a, in a way a, a good, good start. Um, all right, we got kids in the room, and so I'm going to need some help. Kids, I'm, you're going to help me with, um, I'm not going to, we're, we're going to have some fun, but I need you to help me make a, a, a point to mom and dad. So I need about four or five kids if you can uh, want to come up on the stage with me, if you want, you can climb, or we have stairs that can come around. Do I have like four or five kids that can come up on stage and help me for a second, just a few minutes? Yeah, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. You can come on up. Yes, let's encourage them. Yes. Come, you can uh, come around the stage right over here, so we don't trip and fall. You don't have to come. You don't have to come. I'm going to have you guys line up. Uh, right right here, okay? I got one, I got two, I need like two more, two or three more. Any any other takers? No? No? Okay. Come on, Charlie, I know you want to come. <laughs> All right, um, well, for our two brave ones, can I just ask you your, your name? Savannah. Savannah. All right, we got a few more coming on up. Come on up. What's your name? Marina. Ma- Marina? Marina. Logan. Logan. Come on. Come on. You're all right. You can say next to, next to Logan. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Charlie. Charlie. All right. I'm going to have you guys come center. I'm going to have you come center. All right. Now, I have some ha- Halloween's coming up. Um, I have, we like superheroes in our house. Um, I'm going to ask each one of you guys would take one of these. And if you can, uh, can you put it on just for a few minutes? All right? Well, I make a point. I'm going to make a point to mom and dad. So I have up here, we have uh, Lego Batman. I got Hulk, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Flash. So just grab one, grab one. If you don't want to put it on, you can just like kind of put your put it up by your face. Okay? So on the count of three, just take which one, whichever one you want. All right? One, two, and three. Go. All right. We got Captain America. You want the Flash? All right. Ah, oh, Thanos. Okay. All right. So, Savannah, you have uh, Captain America. Do you have anything that you like about Captain America or anything that, that you would say like, hey, this is cool about him? I really watch superheroes. And that's all right. That's quite all right. What what do you watch? Um, just family movies. Family movies? All right. Good answer. Good answer for family movies. I know mom and dad are like, what, what is she going to say? <laughs> uh, family movies. Uh, what do you like about Spider-Man? Not much. Though. Not much about Oh man. Alright, this is this is going great. This is exactly um how I how I imagine it. Alright, uh what do you like about Thanos? He's inevitable. Inevitable? Alright. Logan, you kinda of scare me. There's only one bad guy on the stage and, and you grabbed him, so I don't know what that says, but I love it. I love it. Alright, Charlie, what do you like about the Flash? Because when he well... Okay. And all right. And he acted, he's got, he's got the flash moves right there. Okay. So um, here's what I need you guys to do. Um, Charlie, if you want to, you can, you can come back on stage. I need you to put the masks on. Go ahead and put them on. All right. And Savannah, if that's not going to fit. Yeah. Perfect. 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 Yeah. You can just do that. All right. Mr. Charlie, come on out. You got the flash mask on. All right. On the uh, count of three, I need each of you to give me a pose that, like, I, it could be muscles or, or whatever, but it's like your character. Okay, so Spider-Man, he's got the webs. Thanos, I don't know what he does. But, but just make a pose, and you're going to hold it, okay? So, all right, so on account count of three, we're going to make a superhero pose, all right? So, all right, one, two, and three. Make the pose and hold it. All right, we have... Um, um, a teapot. Captain America, kind of the teapot look. We have uh, uh, Spider-Man. He looks like he's kind of scratching his eye um, a little bit. Maybe the mask is itchy. You have the gauntlet, I see there, Logan. And then Charlie is ready to run or fight, whatever he needs to do um, as well. Now, here's the, here's the thing. When it comes to Halloween and our, our characters here, um, I, I, I love Halloween because we get to, to dress up and have fun, and we get to uh, imagine that we were something else that we're not, and just go along and have fun. And in our house, we have all of these costumes that we love to wear and dress up and play and have fun. But underneath it all, I know who they are. And in fact, it's quite silly if Charlie thinks he's um, Batman and can fly. I'm like, no, you cannot fly. And we've, we've tested this out before, all right? Uh, You can't, you can't fly. Um, We know, hey, it's just a mask. And what the point is, and you guys are going to be done here in a second. All I want to say is God, when he looks at us, he sees the heart. He knows exactly who you are and he loves you all the same. And in many ways he would say, and what I think he's saying to us today, you don't have to wear a mask with me. You don't have to hide with me. So let's give our our kiddos a round of applause. Thank you for helping me. You guys can just drop those right there. And you can go ahead and have a seat with mom and dad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well done. Flash. Flash. All right, all right. God sees exactly what's going on. Hypocrisy is something we're all prone to, hypocrisy in the the Greek when we see it, because Jesus calls people hypocrites. He says it's an actor, a stage player, one who hides behind a mask. And we all said we know somebody who can be a hypocrite. It's pretty easy to to see it through other people. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we say and how we live. It's the gap between what we show and, and who we are. Now, I, I thought about doing this, but I was like, oh, this could go really, really bad. Um, if I had the kids up here, if I had your kids up here and gave them the microphone and asked them the question, hey, based on what mom and dad say, based on what mom and dad do, based on what mom and dad watch, read, spend money on, spend time on? What would you say are their top life priorities? And without any sort of manipulation, just let them answer, right? The people who get an inside view, just what what would they say? That's very convicting because I, I don't know what they're going to say and I'm afraid they probably wouldn't say what I want them to say. It's the gap between what we show and who we are. The day's message is not meant to condemn you. If God speaks to your life, it's never to condemn you. It's always to confront and make you better. So if there's anything that kind of stings in this, it's God's just trying to, to help you get better. He sees the heart. You don't have to wear a mask with Him. He sees it. So I'd rather just drop the mask and have an open honest conversation with God so we can work on the real issues. Jesus has zero tolerance, zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace and forgiveness for the person in need. who's willing to admit it? Jesus would confront he would confront the, the Pharisees, the ultimate hypocrites in in the church and. In one point at Matthew 23 where he's just sounding off on these guys. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You're the leaders in the church. He says, hypocrites. Now, if I'm Jesus' disciples, I'm like, Jesus, come on now, just tone it down here. Like, are you sure you want this one to go in Scripture? You know, yeah, write it down. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup Of the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self indulgence. And here it is you blind Pharisee. You blind Pharisee. This is hard to see in yourself. There is, he has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but unlimited grace and forgiveness for those in need. But there's a catch. And the catch is you do have to drop the mask. You got to get real with God and get real with others. My, my, my son, um, I won't say which one, but I remember one of them one time, he got some candy out of the little sugar snack box that he wasn't supposed to get. And I knew what he had got. And so I said, <clears throat> what's in your hand? And it, it's there. And he goes, nothing. And I said, I, what's behind your back? And, and he does this number. He puts his hand down his shirt. And I'm like, I can, I can, I can see you. And he goes... <laughs> and I feel like as, as children of God, we try to do this with God as well. It's so silly. It's so silly. Jesus says, we're, we're blind To our own hypocrisy, which is why one of the action steps that I really want you to consider today. How do we not be blind? You're like, well, I want God to show these things out, but you know who is best? Who has been best in my life to point these things out? It has been people. I cannot do this alone. I need relationships. It is so vital for my walk with Jesus. Anybody's prone to this. And if you're serious about following Jesus and taking your next steps, then you know he did not walk alone. And he built this community and he built this church with these followers and they were able to call it out on one another. And in my, in my 17 years of walking with Jesus, the importance of relationships in my life. And this is why I, I know for, for me and a lot of people, it's like, it's hard. Because we're going we're gonna to launch Connect Groups this month, at the end of this month. I want to, today, I just want you to pray about it and consider getting in a group. And for me, I had somebody ask me this, this last week. They're like, oh man, I got a lot of things that's on my brain, things that I'd like to share. Mike, how, do you have a place where you can go and share these things? And the church answer would be in a Connect Group get in a connect group. But I said, really, honestly, even though I'm the pastor, not quite. Because I'm going to have a level of vulnerability in my connect group, but I don't know you. And I've been burned before. And so I kind of stopped short on that. What it takes is time. What it takes is experience. What it takes is, is trust. We've got to be able to to build some of that trust and when you're a brand new church with brand new people i don't know you you're a cowboys fan that's already strike one like I, how much trust can we have here i don't know um i'm kidding um but i recognize that it's hard and a lot of us come from a space where i was vulnerable and then they used that against me and they stuck it in my back and that hurts We have two options. We can just give up, not a church full of hypocrites, or we can try again. And I say connect groups, sort of, because I have some people who I've been journeying with in these past three years, and we're moving in that direction. This past week, when I've been struggling with anxiety, I had some guys who I knew who weren't going to use that against me, who I could trust, and just be like, I need some prayer. I'm facing some stuff. And I had some good conversations with people and it was healthy and it was good and it was beautiful. I'm, I'm blind trying to do this thing by myself. And all we've done here as a church say, we're going to try. We love Jesus. We want to be a light to our world. And we're going to try to journey through this thing together. And we're going to do that in the form of, of connect groups. Some of them are online. Some of them are in, in person you're going to be hearing about groups over the next 3 or 4 weeks. I can't encourage you enough to get in one and get plugged in. He says you blind, you're blind to this. One of the best most helpful things will be getting in to community. How can you trust again cuz I've had this before? How can I gain trust with somebody? You got to give them some. It's risky. That's, you have to give them something that they, they they can then hold. They may burn you or they earn your trust little by little. At a certain point, you have to take a risk and be vulnerable and be open and put it out there. Some of us, we've been putting on a spiritual show and God is very lovingly telling us today, drop the mask. He says to those Pharisees, this is where the grace comes in, even though he's hammering them. He says, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will come clean too. So I don't I don't know what it is for you today. I don't know. I don't know what your where you're wearing a mask. And yes, it's silly, but at the same time it's really it's really not a joke is it is it in your finances are you hiding money somewhere are you hiding internet history hiding the amount of drinks like where where What what are you hiding? And God's very lovingly just saying today, "Drop, drop the mask. He knows. He knows and He still loves you. He knows and He'll still forgive you. He knows and He says there's still purpose for you. In fact, if you would hand that to me, I'll take it and not only will I give you victory over that, but we'll use that thing that you're trying to hide, that you're trying to take to the grave with you. We'll use that thing and we'll turn it into good. We'll help other people who are dealing with the same thing if you just give it to me. There's freedom when you drop the mask. There's nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. I I like the freedom when I hand my phone to my wife. I don't, I don't have to worry. And if you're struggling with any of these things today, I want to offer you a path to freedom. It doesn't mean you have to come up on stage and say, well, here's all my sins and I confess them all or anything like that. No, it's probably going to happen in a, in a one-on-one relationship. And it probably doesn't need to come to me. Those are weird conversations that happen at Smith's where I'm like, I'm just trying to buy vegetables. I don't need the, the whole thing. But you got to talk to somebody because this stuff will, will eat you up. Jesus said, Jesus, he knows the truth. And Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there's freedom in honesty. There's freedom in truth. And he's trying to break this. It's a warning to the church to say, this ain't, we're not going to be a show here. And what I love about Jesus, what I love about this church, we're trying to build a culture and a community where you can be real, where you can be you, where you can be broken, jacked up, messed up. I'm one of the most messed up ones. All right? But you just find a group of people that you can journey along with, and let's take some next steps together. It's okay not to be okay, just not okay to stay that way. And here's the thing. Jesus, you, you, these gaps in hypocrisy, you do not close the gaps of hypocrisy with perfection. Oh, well, I'll just do better. I'll go to church more. I'll pray more. I'll get in a connect group. I'll read my Bible more. Bah! None of those are bad. You close gaps with Jesus. Jesus is the gap closer. When your sin hit His holiness and caused an eternal separation, there was no earning it back for you, which is the whole reason why Jesus came. He's the gap filler. You fill it with him. You hold on to him. I'm banking everything on Jesus and the cross and his resurrection. And that's the beauty. That's the grace and forgiveness that's offered to all of us today. We have a stark warning. And Jesus says, Drop the mask. Now go live it. Now go take these next steps. I'm grateful we don't have to have that happen today, (laughs) that we have another opportunity. But we do have that warning. Why why does God not show grace and forgiveness to some? Because he punishes evil on his timing. And thank goodness we have a just God, a loving God, and a holy God who wants a relationship with you desperately. So can we stand and let's pray together? I want to offer that relationship to some of you today. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired.